Hey, thank you, kids. Those were some great jokes. Uh, many of those I'll hopefully add to my repertoire. I'm going to start again. I was watching the door. Okay. Oh. All right. Hey, thank you, kids. Uh, really uh, good material there. I'm going to steal some of those jokes for my own repertoire. Uh, I'll add to what they said. Happy Father's Day to all our dads and stepdads. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for all that you do. You're welcome. Well, thank you. Uh, another thing before I get to my talk, in January, we announced to the church that JT and Laura and Olive would be uh, leaving us to go and plant a vineyard church up in Cleveland. And uh, JT is done on staff the end of June, and uh, that's bittersweet because we are super excited for them, for God's plans for them. It's super exciting to see the kingdom advancing in Cleveland, uh, but at the same time, we are very sad uh, to see them go. I uh, just wanted to let you know, next week, our sermon, uh, this time slot, will be me sitting down with JT and Laura and interviewing them about that plant. So hopefully you can join us. Okay. A few weeks ago, I thought, uh, I thought COVID-19 would be the reason why 2020 got a little bit more space in the history books. Uh, that was until May 25th when George Floyd, a black man, was killed by a white police officer named uh, Derek Chauvin. And, and just the images we saw tore the scab off of a racial wound that has been festering for generations and is, is far from healing. His death sparked protests all around the United States, all around the world, protests against racism, protests uh, against excessive use of force by the police. Two weeks ago, I gave a short response, uh, and at that time I said I would say more today. And I know that what I said, or at least parts of what I said a couple weeks ago, pushed uh, maybe pushed some buttons for some of you. Uh, in the last two weeks, my hunch is that uh, many of us have had many buttons pushed uh, by what we're hearing on our news feeds of choice, just in all the different conversation, all the words we're hearing, words like racism, systemic racism, uh, racist, white privilege, white guilt, white silence, police uh, brutality. I, I realize that today I'm speaking into a, uh, an intense situation I'm speaking to people, many whose emotions are running high, uh, some who are ready to go on the offense or defensive mode, depending on what I say or what I don't say. Um, so let me start by saying what I believe we can all agree on. Number one is this, what happened to George Floyd was awful, was evil, was wrong, and that those responsible must be brought to justice. Two. Peaceful protests are a good thing. Uh, those kind of protests are a benefit. One of the benefits of living in a free country that we can gather, we can march together, we can speak out against different uh, issues, injustice, etc. That's a good thing. But looting, destruction of property, vandalism, etc., etc., is wrong, is criminal. Three, the vast majority of men and women who wear the badge, police officers, are good and moral uh, people, upholders of the law, protectors of the people. And right now they have an incredibly hard job to do. So would you be praying uh, for our local police, for police chiefs, etc.? cetera? Uh, we have many police officers in our church and uh, would you be praying for them? If you know them, would you reach out to them and, and just uh, encourage them, let them know that you are praying for them. Now, 
based on what I've been reading and, and on, the social, uh, on social media, etc., and what I've been hearing in conversations, uh, after those few points, uh, opinions, especially around the issues of race, op opinions quickly just whoa, go off in many different directions. I, I, I thought I had a healthy level of understanding when it came to issues of race or uh, the issue of racism. When we first moved to the States in 2000, I went to work down at Vineyard Columbus, a wonderful church. I was there for eight years, and, and I, I got a, I thought, I just a, a, a vast education on history and issues of race, etc. But in these last few weeks, uh, they've really exposed a, a level of ignorance in my mind and my heart that I really was unaware of. This, the issue of race and all that's going on right now in our country, this is such a big and such a deep rooted issue. And, and so I'm assuming for many of you, you're in a similar place. It's, it's overwhelming. And it's a sense of, well, what do I do? I mean, how should I respond? Uh, where, where do I even start? And uh, two weeks ago when I shared, I, I said this, as followers of Jesus, well, how do we respond in a time like this? What do we do? We run to Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We take our cues from Jesus. And that's my plan today. Uh, preparing for today, I had a helpful picture. I think it's a helpful picture. We'll find out. But when you go to the doctor for a physical, uh, one of the things they do is they take your blood pressure. And the way to determine the, the condition, the health of your heart is what do they do? They, it's by applying pressure. They apply pressure to it. And based on the readings, your doctor will either prescribe you know, medicine or encourage you to exercise or to watch your diet. Well, right now in our, in, in our culture at this time in history, we are under an incredible amount of pressure. I mean, as if COVID-19 wasn't enough, you know, of pressure, uh, now adding the, the, these issues of race, etc. I mean, this pressure, it, it, I know for many of us, it's kicking up things in our hearts. And those things that are being brought to the surface by the pressure are being monitored by Dr. Jesus. And he alone knows what needs to be prescribed for you and for me, for us to have healthy hearts. And as we look at this, this issue, it's not one size or one prescription that fits all. So today what I want to do is I want to share with you really what uh, Dr. Jesus has prescribed for me in regards to the condition of my own heart. And I trust, hope that it will be helpful for your heart too. So let's pray and then we'll jump in. So Lord, we welcome you here and we confess right at the top here that only you truly understand and see what's going on. Uh, we are your people. We're turning to you today. I pray uh, that you would give us more of your heart, more of your mind. Just come and guide us wherever we're gathered today. Just come close in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, uh, one of the things I recognize today is the challenge of addressing such a volatile subject. Uh, again, where there are so many different opinions, so many strong feelings. And so as I was preparing, I, you know, instead of speaking just o or speaking only into what's going on right now, I also felt like the Lord said, as you're prepping, think about where do you want to be as a church a year from now? And, and, you know, I mentioned the picture of going to the doctor for a physical. And that when you go for a physical, that visit addresses both the immediate condition, but it also focuses on how to be healthy uh, in the future. And I know whenever I go to my doctor for my annual checkup, 
He typically starts off by uh, giving me that pep talk by reminding me of the bigger picture of healthy living, like really all the things I should have been doing over the last year. And, and that's where I want to start. I want to start by looking at God's bigger picture of healthy hearts, healthy living, especially as we consider, consider issues of race. So number one is, it's a question, and the question is this, what business are we in? Well, what do I mean by that? Well, John Wimber, who God used, uh, used to start the Vineyard Movement back in the 70s, uh, would many times say to his staff, to his church staff, he would ask them the same question. Hey, what business are we in? And his staff would respond, we're in the people business. Uh, that saying, that guiding principle was not original to John Wimber. That is 100% original uh, to God. From Genesis to Revelation, God demonstrates over and over and over and over that he is in the people business. People are his idea. Every people group, every individual was dreamt up and created by God. And what we see at the very beginning of the story in Genesis, when God's people chose in Genesis 3 to go their own way, we see him demonstrate uh, that he's in the people business immediately he puts into action a plan to rescue and restore us. Uh, a little further on, Genesis 12, God reveals himself, reveals some of his plan to a man named Abraham. He says, hey, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a, a great nation. You're going to have so many descendants. You can't even count them. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your descendants. And he says this in Genesis 12, 3. He says, hey, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And really what he was saying there is, hey, Abraham, I'm inviting you into my business, into the family business, which is the people business. And Abraham, what I'm going to do through you won't just, isn't, uh, won't just impact your family or your family line. It is meant to bless every family line on planet Earth. My plan is to rescue, to restore, and to adopt everyone into my massive kingdom family. That is is the family business. And so in choosing Abraham and, and the Jewish nation initially, the plan was that, you know, through them that they would be a light, a light of hope, a light of invitation to all the other nations around them and, and really to invite them into the same blessing that they had. But it didn't go that way, did it? Uh, instead, God's chosen people for the most part kept the blessing to themselves. In fact, they not only kept it to themselves, they started to see uh, other people groups, other races were, were seen more and more as outsiders, unclean, unworthy of the blessing. And what we see then, again, God demonstrating that he's in the people business, he puts his hand around Jesus' shoulder and he says, son, you're gonna have to go down there and you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to show them how the family business works. And so here comes Jesus, and upon his arrival, the first words out of his mouth are, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew 4, 17, and when you hear the word repent, don't think shame, don't think guilt. When you hear repent, it means turn around. Jesus was saying, he came, he came with this message of, hey, everybody, you need to turn around. Hey my, hey, my chosen people, you need to turn around. You're, you're going the wrong way. You're living the wrong way. You're thinking the wrong way. Your attitudes, your opinions, your beliefs do not line up with the kingdom of heaven way. Jesus came to teach us the new way, which is the kingdom of heaven way. 
And really, just like in Genesis 12, where God chose Abraham and his descendants, had a chosen people, Jesus really did a similar thing. He also chose, had a chosen group, if you will, that he wanted to work with and through to bless all others. So he called to himself the 12 disciples who would now join him. He invited them into the family business. And what business are we in? It's the people business. But the disciples quickly would have been confused by the ways of Jesus. Uh, they assumed uh, he is the Messiah as the rescuer, the Savior. They assumed that he came to rescue them the Jews from the Roman oppression, that he had come to rescue them and to restore the blessing to them and them alone. But Jesus, if you think of the Gospels, Jesus took them on field trip after field trip, demonstrating to, these, to this chosen group, demonstrating like, yeah, oh yeah, I have come to rescue and restore. But let me make this really clear. I've come to rescue and restore everybody. He demonstrated over and over that this, the blessing of God was for everybody, not just for them. And what we see in these field trips is Jesus was taking them to places and to people that totally went against the grain of their racial, cultural, political filters, the filters they had in their hearts. And uh, remember the series we did last year, I think it was last year, the Sermon on the Mount series. This common phrase that Jesus would say, he would say, You've heard it said, but I say, right? You've learned this. Uh, you have this perspective. You have this opinion. But I have come now. I've come to teach you a new way. Listen to this quote. The kingdom of heaven way is not an app to add to our lives. The kingdom of heaven way is an entirely new operating system. And the disciples quickly realized what Jesus always knew if they were going to embrace the new way that he was teaching, if they were going to embrace the kingdom of heaven way, if they were going to continue in the family business, this, the people business, well, then there would need to be some changes. So number one, what business are we in? We're in the people business. Number two is realigning the filters of our hearts. I said earlier that Jesus took the disciples on field trips and he did that to teach them to teach them the family business. And, and it was so stretching for the disciples because he went after and welcomed all the wrong people. Again, first century, he, he went after, he welcomed women, tax collectors, prostitutes, zealots, lepers. I mean, all the fridge, unclean, all the people that they would literally try to avoid. And, and because this, focus is, this talk is focused on issues of race, Jesus also went after and welcomed all the wrong people groups. I mean, all the people that the Jews of the first century would have had deep negative feelings towards. So the disciples would have watched Jesus, you know, doing, you know, think of all the stories, interacting with these different people groups, and they would have thought to themselves, oh, okay, Jesus, I mean, I can see you're helping them. I can see you're coming alongside them. But don't expect me to do that. Like, how do I know that? How do I know that was in their hearts? Well, uh, uh, in Acts 10, there's a story where God is getting ready to send Peter to a people group that he literally despised. The story shows that Peter didn't think these people, and, and these people are Gentiles, non-Jews, in this case, Romans. Peter didn't think these people were even worthy of hearing the gospel. In his heart, he didn't even think God was willing to pursue 
these Gentiles. And, and so God, knowing this, knowing this, knowing that these, this was in, the, in Peter's heart to get him ready for what he had planned, he needed to rearrange, realign the filters of his heart. And let me walk us through the story. In Acts 10, it basically starts off, an angel comes to this man, Cornelius, who's a Roman centuri, centurion. <laughs> and he says to him, hey, Cornelius, you need to send for Peter. Yeah, that Peter, the apostle Peter, uh, the disciple. He's got something for you. And so Cornelius does. He sends some of his servants to go get Peter. Meanwhile, Peter is on the roof of his house, and he's having a time of prayer. And as he's praying, he has this crazy vision where this, this sheet drops down from heaven, and, and he looks at it. And on this sheet, I mean, there's animals, there's reptiles, there's birds, and he's looking at this thing, and what? And all of a sudden, a voice says this to him. Uh, Acts 10, verse 13. The voice said, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, replied Peter. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And so Peter you know, he's, he's, it goes back up. He's sitting there going, what was that? What does that mean? He's trying to process. And as he's doing that, there's a knock at the door. And who's at the door? But it's Cornelius' men. And he goes down and uh, he goes with them to Cornelius' house, a Gentile's house. And imagine entering someone's house and the first thing you say is this, verse 28. Peter said to them, Now you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. And then Peter starts to preach to this group of Gentiles that had gathered in Cornelius' home. And he's, and he's just telling the story of Jesus. And he barely gets through his intro and the Holy Spirit's like, that's enough. And just, just falls on all these Gentile people. And, and you see the response. This is so telling of their hearts. You see the response uh, of the Jewish believers in verse 45. It says, The Jewish believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Like, no way. No way. Even on these guys. God's pouring, you know, pursuing uh, even these guys. And now imagine this. Because that is a super symbolic event that happened in Acts 10. It's really Acts 2, but this time it's for the Gentiles, for the non-Jews. It's the Gentile Pentecost, where the Spirit of God falls, and it ignites a work of the Spirit, and it moves up into Asia and Europe, into this place called the Americas. And, I mean, that's a super significant moment. Imagine if Peter had resisted that rearranging, realigning work of God in his heart. Hey, Peter, do not call unclean what I have made clean. Ah, whoo, that's stretching. I'm not really comfortable with that. Uh, I'm going to hold off for now. You know, or knock, knock, knock. There's a knock at the door. And uh, will you come with us, Peter, to a, come to a, a Gentile home? Uh, go with you? Uh, no, that's not, that's not going to happen. Poof, slams the door. But thankfully, Peter, or what we see happening in the story is Peter hears what God says. He sees the foreigners at his door. And all of this, he's taking it in and he's running it through the filters 
of his heart. And here's what I mean by filters of his heart. He's running it through his political filter in his heart. Uh, a political filter that says, hey, these are the laws of the land. Uh, you know, uh, uh, these are the governing guidelines that say who we associate with and who we don't associate with. You know, people that have the same views of us, we're skeptical of those who don't have the same view of us. It went through his cultural uh, filter. Like, like, I've been taught since I was a boy that we are God's chosen people. That the blessing is for us. It's not for you. It went through the, the filter, his racial filter. Where literally he was raised uh, 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 un- with an understanding towards another people group that he saw them as unworthy, unclean, subhuman. I mean, they would refer to Gentiles as dogs. But then all that he was taking in, what God was saying, these Gentile people at his door, uh, it went through another filter in his heart. And this was a filter that had been placed in his heart by Jesus. And it's a missional filter. It's the kingdom of heaven way filter. And Peter was, you know, he's thinking back over the last three years of walking with Jesus. He's thinking through all these crazy field trips. And he remembers Jesus saying, the last thing he said before he left, Matthew 28, uh, 19. Uh, hey, you guys, therefore, now, you know what the plan is? You want is to continue the family business. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And hey, I'm going to be with you uh, uh, every step of the way. Um, And Peter, what he's saying is, Peter, Peter, don't forget, this is for everybody, right? That is the family business. Peter, this is for everybody. The blessing is for everybody. And thankfully, Peter didn't resist what God was doing in his heart. But what did it take? What did it take for Peter to come to a place of of, of fully embracing the family business? Well, one of the things we know is that Peter still carried those first three filters in his heart, political, cultural, racial. How do we know that? There's a story in Galatians 2 where Paul literally calls him out uh, because of the way he was acting regarding Jew-Gentile race relationships. So what did it take to say yes to the mission Uh, to the family business that Peter had been called into. He had to change, or more accurately, he had to let God change the order of the filters of his heart. What do I mean? It it meant taking the the kingdom of heaven way filter and, and moving that to the front of the line ahead of all other filters. So meaning that before, uh, it had to come before his racial filter. It had to become before his cultural filter. It had to become even before his political culture. The kingdom of heaven way filter had to come first. And it's the same for us. It's the same for us. In this time of great pressure, we are taking in all these images, all these conversations, all these words, all these opinions, all these strong feelings. They're all coming in and they're all going through the filters of our hearts. And I don't know about you, but are there things surfacing in your heart that surprise you? Are there strong emotions, strong feelings, opinions that maybe, uh, maybe scare you, that concern you? Like, could it be that we have filters of the heart, political, cultural, rela- uh, racial, etc.? Could it be that we have filters of the heart that may be getting in the way of us participating in the family business? Because when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes, you're being invited into the family business. See, as a follower of Jesus, if, there, if there's a filter in my heart that would look at another human being and based on the color of their skin, 
based on their ethnicity, based on their demographic, would write them off as unworthy at any level? Well, that needs to change. It needs to change because if it isn't changed, it's going to be really hard to keep following Jesus. If that isn't changed, it's going to be really hard to stay in the, peop- in the family business. Because what business are we in? We're in the people business. And so who does Jesus not want? Who, who does Jesus not love? Who does Jesus not invite? Uh, who would Jesus ignore in a time of need? I said earlier that I prepared this talk with the question of, Okay, VCDC, where do we want to be? I'm looking at all that's going on right now. Where do we want to be a year from now? My hope, my prayer is that a year from now, we would be a people who see ourselves, who see our neighbors, who see our communities, who see our world more through a kingdom of heaven way filter, more than any other filter we have in our hearts, that we would be more and more in step with Jesus as he leads us, as he teaches us in the family business. Now, last thing, after a physical, you know, after the results from the lab come back, uh, typically the doctor, at least my doctor, writes a report with recommendations of uh, what it will take, uh, you know, to be healthy. And when I consider who I'm speaking to today, you know, when I consider you, PCDC, our church family, I... I find it really hard to imagine any of us being, you know, being racists. Uh, I, I find it really hard to imagine anyone in our church having great animosity, any, you know, hatred in our hearts towards any other, uh, uh, another race of people. And I wonder if, if for us, you know, when it comes to this issue of race, for us now looking forward, I wonder if the issue is more one of omission rather than commission. What does that mean? Meaning, you know, I wonder if the area that Dr. Jesus would point out to us is it's it's not so much, um, uh, it's not what we are doing, but rather what we aren't doing. Uh, One of the most known verses in the vineyard is John 5, 19. And basically, uh, you know, the religious leaders are asking Jesus, hey, how do you determine, how do you decide what you do and what you don't do? And Jesus gives them this answer in John 5, 19. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. You know, today is Father's Day. And when you choose to follow the kingdom of heaven way, do you realize that means every day is Father's Day? Because that means every day is go to work with your father. And, and when we, when we as, his, as, as his people, as we're looking for his guidance and, and for him to show us what he's doing as individuals and as a church family, we are responsible to respond to what the Father shows us. And right now, church, on a global scale, is he not showing us that we live in a country where there is uh, incredible racial division and incredible racial injustice? And when I look at that, I don't fully know what to do with such a massive issue. It is overwhelming. But what I hear Dr. Jesus saying to me and saying to us is, hey, just like Peter, it starts with your heart. Would you let me start there with your heart, with the filters of your heart? So here's what I want to do to end off. I want to 
uh, invite the Holy Spirit. And I would ask if, if you would join me in reading uh, a couple verses of Scripture. What does that mean? Because my, well, am I like, like 26, 27 minutes? Yeah, that was 28, 18. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's Which not bad. Like, I think it's... So what does that mean then? Do we have to get... Um, since I stopped it, I'll just pick up with where you left off from reading that scripture. Because it only goes 29? Yeah. Okay. So. Okay, so let me think. What did I just say? I just said I want to invite you. Okay. I think Can you hear it? Okay. Good. So let's invite the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and then the words are going to be in the screen. This is Psalm 139, 23 to 24. So Holy Spirit, you see everything. You see my heart. You see all of our hearts. So... Uh, here is our prayer today. Let's read this together. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, I thank you that you know us. I thank you that... Uh, you know what each one of us needs today. Lord, I thank you for the privilege. I mean, who are we to be invited into your family business? Lord, I pray that you would uh, uh, make us as a church, teach us as a church how to stay in step with you. How to stay in step with you each day as you teach us more and more the family business. Just come, Lord. I just bless what you're doing. I... Yeah. I just see... I just really have a sense that the Lord is inviting people. He's inviting us into a... Uh, just a, a deeper walk with him. Uh, of just of, of, of knowing him, of knowing his heart. And, and one of the ways that you really learn more about how great Jesus is is when you get a sense of his heart for others. As he, as he gives you his heart for others, his love, the way he thinks about other people, that, that so enriches your relationship with Jesus. So I, I just, I bless what you're doing, Lord. And I, and I welcome, with all that's going on, I welcome this season where you are, I believe you're going to be teaching us a lot as a church family. And we just say yes. We say yes to your plans. We say yes to the family business that you've invited us into. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, Lord. Well, bless you. Uh, um, I just encourage you, we're going to go back into worship now. It's a great song. It's, a, it's really a great heart song. So uh, um, um, enjoy that and, and let the Lord really come close as we sing that song. Bless you.